Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. Live here from the Radius Missiology Conference 2023 at Grace Community Church here in Sun Valley, California, and I am joined by the godfather of the Radius Movement. Have you ever been called that before? No, I never heard that one before. All right, add that to your resume, add like that it. to your Twitter bio or wherever you want to put it, your LinkedIn. You Brad it. Buser is joining us here. And Brad, we're so grateful for you returning to the show. Regular listeners to the show know who you are. Um, but let's pretend somebody doesn't know what you've done in ministry and what your connection with Radius is. Can you give us the elevator version? Sure. Uh, yeah, my wife and I went to New Guinea, Papua New Guinea in 1979. Uh, we learned the first language of the country. We moved interior. Uh, began to learn the language of the Teddy people after we built an airstrip out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my wife was uh, pregnant uh, while we were doing that. Uh, I was hoping to get the airstrip done in time so she could fly out. I failed, uh, so she hiked out when she was eight months pregnant. Uh, and we had the baby. We hiked we're back still in. Still married. God still bless you. Still married. No, I, I married Joan of Arc. I really yeah. did. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, then we finished the airstrip and began learning the language of the Teddy people. Uh, 1985 was fluent enough to begin sharing the gospel with them for the first time ever. Uh, our guys were incredibly backwards, and so it took us seven months, five days a week teaching till we had the first 22 people that came to faith. Hmm. And uh, after seven years, 22 believers, and then began to disciple, translate, disciple, translate. And uh, yeah, all together, a little over 20 years, and we'd do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, uh, I know privilege. you would. Yeah. I know you would, absolutely. But uh, Radius is raising up more people to do that same type of work. So this week at the conference, the theme is the clear gospel. We're really getting back down to basics here. You know, it's so easy to talk about all these other things, right? But getting down to first things and putting first things first. And something we were talking about before we started recording here is uh, what you're calling this idea of consecration. And that's a word that we don't use too much, I think, in our contemporary church context. What does it mean to be consecrated? And I know something that's deep on your heart is, is really that idea of inwardly and, and outwardly as well, but inwardly setting ourselves apart before God, being set apart, being dedicated for His use. I know that's near and dear to your heart, and I think that's critical for this upcoming generation of missionaries, right? Yeah, it's critical for any generation of missionaries. and. Uh, We've seen a, such a clear correlation between those that, that counted the cost before they ever got to the foreign country, and they, they really had seen themselves, their wives, their children as expendable uh, to see this thing done. And, and as rarely in this day and age is that mentality called upon to actually show itself. Mm. But uh, when it does, if you don't have that mentality, you're going to be one of the ones that starts and doesn't finish. And mm. uh, Radius is really clearly trying to uh, get in front of that by helping people and uh, so we have a little module down there we call it the Theology of Suffering. And we go through the lives of uh, Peyton, John Peyton, Adoniram Judson, William Tyndall. We go through them in detail and the burials that happen with their wives and children. And uh, there's a lot of tears. And we encourage our, our candidates, uh, walk through your nightmare scenario. Walk it through as a couple. Uh, let the tears flow and then finish it up with God's grace will be there for that moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. And believe that it will. And he will show up. And my wife has seen that. We haven't been called upon this point to make the ultimate sacrifice, but uh, we got very close for quite a few times and His grace always shows up in a, in a wonderful way, but we're trying to help our students prepare for that darkest hour yeah. um, so that they'll stay. I've visited Radius, I've sat in on that class, that very class, sitting there seeing the, the whole student body there with their, uh, their, their Piper books, filling up the afflictions of Christ, right, and I've heard yeah. the teaching on that. I think that alone is maybe the most valuable training that Radius gives. Honestly, I mean, it, that's, that's pretty key, just because it's so rare to have that type of training. Yeah, we think it's critical. We do. Uh, 
pioneer church planting, this is arbitrary, of course, but we'll, we'll say uh, it's probably 40% about skill sets, phonetics, phonemics, linguistics, your, your capacity as a communicator. Uh, th th those are important, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But character will trump that all the time. Right, you can learn skills. You can't necessarily make yourself learn character. I mean, they, you yeah. either have got it or you don't. So yeah. help, me, help me understand something, though. As you're preparing people to wrap their minds around those nightmare scenarios, right? Uh, what are the lines? Where do, where do you teach people to use prudence, to use wisdom? You know, sometimes God just calls somebody off the field, right? So, so how, how do you encourage students to, to approach that such that uh, if the Lord does call them away it, or, or just providentially lead them a certain direction away from the field or, or maybe there's illness in the family, somebody goes back to the States, you know, those sorts of very ordinary situations that happen with missionaries, uh, to prevent them from just maybe dwelling in shame and thinking that they've disappointed God? How do you teach them to deal with those scenarios as well? It's a tough one. Uh, I really appreciate the, the night before Beth and I actually lifted off out of civilization and were dumped into Iteti, into the middle of the jungle, no, nothing there. Uh, the, the leader of the region, he's now with the Lord, his name was Dale Palmer. He was a sage guy, and he understood things I didn't understand as a young man. And he, he gave me this challenge. He said, Brad, unless you're ready to spend 15 years at least in that village and jungle, don't even start. Become a pilot, become a mechanic, become mm -hmm. a supply buyer. Because the investment that these people make, they've never heard the gospel. You're the person that's bringing medical work. You're bringing literacy. You're bringing some latent hope that they sense is, is coming with you. If you leave, man, the next, next guys to come in there, the people will never open themselves up to that person mm -hmm. in the same way. So that is a huge responsibility. And I don't mind them understanding the guilt, the shame. Now, if you haven't moved into that second situation, if you, if you get some serious sickness in your first situation, man, of course, you know, there's rationality in this thing. Yeah. And you wanna take preventative measures. And that's why we brought in a lawnmower to cut down the lawn because we had people killed by snakes on a regular basis. You, you, yeah, so we're not flirting with death. You, you don't stock it with extra snakes just yeah. to toughen them up, right? You, you mow the grass, yeah. Yeah, we believe in grass mowing. <laughs> yeah. But once we had learned the language of the Teddy people, yeah. um, Beth and I just had to covenant, you know, we're here till the church was planted because nobody else knew their language. And that, yeah. that's a huge heavy. Yeah. If you let it be a guilt, it can be that way at times, but it's a privilege too and an honor, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah, we, we saw different tribes around us where missionaries left early for not good reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, the hardening that came, it was just really sad. And even now I'd say the church, if it exists, well, some we know don't exist. Let me ask a, a similar question. I, I knew a young man once who had a heart for missions, and I won't be specific at all about who he is, where I know him, but he had a death wish. He, he dreamed of being martyred. And in working with him, we kind of realized like, well, that's, that's not a healthy desire necessarily, right? That there's more to missions than going out in a blaze of glory. Um, some of the things that he said were kind of comical, actually, looking back. But have you ever dealt with anyone like that? Have you ever dealt with someone that maybe understands the theology of suffering too much? And you have to say, like, well, suffering is, is not an end. It's a, it's a means to an end. The, the end is, is Christ. The end is glory. Suffering's a step along the way, but, but the end is actually getting people the gospel, not just you're kind of, yeah. you know, you become this hero. I've seen mature, immature people make it to the field, um, and at Radius, we're really hoping that churches will vet out such immaturity. That's not healthy. Uh, it's not needed. You know, God is good. He will bring all that's needed to bring character into the life. He knows that we speak from our scars. You know, he'll mm -hmm. give you those in his way, in his time, but you don't go looking for them, you know, and so we're trusting that churches are vetting that out. 
And if we would ever sense that radius, we definitely, you know, inform the church of that. There's an unhealthiness here. So what would you say then, since you're talking about being consecrated, right, being set apart for the Lord, what would you say, other, other than preparing yourself for suffering, which takes a lifetime to learn that, right? What are some other ways that you would encourage young, up-and-coming missionaries, uh, or senders for that matter, to, to consecrate themselves, to get ready for this work? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I'm not so much probably able to speak for the senders. I think there's, there is a degree that meant to understand our Savior's heartbeat for the world to be honored and worshiped among the nations. Uh, meant to put blinders on all the fun things they could do. Um, I'll go back to my youth pastor, you know, I quote him all the time, you know, and things I didn't even know. He had the largest youth group in Southern California and he lived in a trailer with an extension cord plugged into the church because he wanted to have the authority, he wanted to be able to speak with the credibility, and he never flaunted, he never even talked about it, but he's all about this thing of Christ being honored and, and putting that so squarely in front of us. That's a consecrated youth pastor there, and man, the fruit of it, it just lives on all over the place. Um, yeah, centers, I think, for people to you know, downsize houses. And I'll, I'll say a name, but the, man, I appreciated Francis Chan in the years that I knew him. When he was up there in Simi Valley, he moved into a smaller house four times. Hmm. He had the lowest salary on the, on the staff budget. Now, he had a book out there. He wasn't yeah. you know, embarrassed about that. But I, I think there's things that we just self-crimp ourselves. You know? And I think for us uh, to do everything we can do, to me, that's not the consecrated life, just because it's mm. not illegal and it's not immoral. Mm. And so Beth and I have imposed some things on ourselves that we'd like to do. I won't mm. mention them, yeah, but yeah. we're just not gonna do that. Yeah, we yeah. got the money to do it, we could do yeah. it. Uh, but no, we're just gonna live with some strictures yeah. on ourselves. I like what you're saying because you're, you're not binding other people's consciences and telling them what, the, what them what they must or must not do. But you are saying, kind of like Paul, like you, you gotta, you gotta beat your chest, right? You, you've got to pound yourself. You've got to be uh, trampling daily over the bellies of your lusts, right? Like you, you've got to discipline yourself in ways that maybe other people are never going to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not for public consumption. It's just so that we know we're not doing everything we could. And, uh, and we try to, you know, live in that way so that we can speak with some sense of credibility to our students, you know, so that, you know, we're not a you know, clanging gone, you know, empty symbol. Yeah. Um, and these young people, they're dying for that. They really yeah. are. We have too many people moderating their message because they know their life, you know? yeah, and uh, or, or their wife, their life can't really stay in inspection. Yeah, and so we're trying to do mm -hmm. different than that. And not that I would, you know, put it out there, but uh, I guess I envy this thing here. But we try to live our lives in front of Brooks and Brandon and Natalie and Buzz, so that you know we could say. Not necessarily with the words, but you follow the Lord like you've seen your mom and dad follow the Lord. Man, you pay any price. He's worth it. He's worth it. And burn the bridges, you know, and just to live that life out mm. like my dad did for his country. He really did, mm -hmm. you know. And my youth pastor did for the sake of the gospel. I had such great models, you know, in that, you know. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul comes alive with that in the book of Acts, you know. Um, and we're just looking for models. We're looking yeah. for examples in this world. Yeah. Especially this young generation. I mean, you see it in a completely different sphere, not to change the topic, but look at the reason why some of these manosphere personalities become big, like the, you know, the Jordan Petersons of the world, which all they've really got to say at the end of the day is basic stuff like make your bed, you know, and, and sit up straight. But it's because they are starved. They, they haven't heard someone speak to them in the way that, that men like you can speak to them and, and call them up and, and mobilize them, call them to something deeper. Uh, and not just the young men, young women as well. They're really not hearing anything that says like, hey, this is a, 
battle that is worth giving your life and your all to. Absolutely. And I, I think that's part of the secret sauce of Radius, is, is being, being willing to lean into that. Because it's true. Alex, I know I told you this, but when we got this thing going and we were going around to the different agencies, they were kind of chuckling at us. You'll never get people to commit for 10 months of training. They won't even stay on the field five years. They can't even spell the word commitment. I actually heard that from mission mobilizers, mission executives. Well, there's a grain of truth to it, right? They've seen a lot of consumerism. It's they rampant. have. But man, there, there's always the few, the ones yeah. that show yeah. me what it takes, show me how worthy he is, the years it will take. I'll trust him to give me the, the strength of character to do this thing and to encourage my heart in the darkest of times. They're out there, they really are. This generation loves the Lord just as much and they want to be used for the kingdom just as much as those Adoniram Judsons as 200 years ago. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're there, we just gotta find them. Last piece of advice then that you would give to somebody who's maybe feeling on the fence about missions, how would you challenge them? Present yourself to your local church leadership. Mm. Include them in on that decision. Don't make it unilaterally because you're gonna wake up at 43 years old and wonder, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do this? I meet too many men in that age category, older, and they kind of, they get antsy about missions conference time because it brings back that question, why didn't I do it? Spare mm. yourself that. Go to your church leadership. They know you. They don't want to misuse your life. You know? mm. But uh, man, don't make it unilaterally. It's a good answer. I don't know if I expected you to say that. I mean, I guess I did. But yeah, you don't want somebody to make an emotional decision. You want them to bring that before those that God has put as shepherds over their souls and let the Spirit work through the church. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Well, Brad, we're so thankful for you. Thankful for your leadership, for uh, the legacy that you bring everything uh, to Radius as well. So, Thanks, Al. It's always absolutely. good to be with you. Yeah, Take you care. too. And thank you for joining us as well. The Missions Podcast comes to you as a ministry of ABWE. To learn more about how to serve with ABWE, go to abwe.org. Remember to leave this podcast a positive review in your podcast platform of choice, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. That actually makes this show appear in more people's feeds so that they can discover it. Maybe they'll be mobilized to the field because they hear this conversation. We hope this shows a blessing in your life and you can support us as well. If you go to missionspodcast.com and hit the support tab at the top. We'll be bringing you more exclusive content from the Radius Conference. Until then, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.